Okay, we are um, beginning um, into uh, a 13th week in our study here, um, and we're on the second side of, of, of a two-week component uh, talk, talking about the doctrine of demons. Doctrine, we said, is what? What does doctrine just mean? I mean, the word doctrine. It's a big word. We use it a lot in churches, but what? Really talking about what? It's a system of truth. System of truth. Yeah, system of truth. It's a system of truth. It's a it's it's a putting a stuff together into a place of that, that is all that's true. So, doctrine of demons um, is is their expression of their truth, right? And so, what we want to do is understand that. And uh, Paul says to Timothy that 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 demons have a system of truth, and the system of truth, by the way, has been being put together over. Um, uh, six thousand, six seven thousand years, where the the world has existed, mankind has been here, and they've been watching through this whole time, and so they've they've refined and honed their quote system of truth or their messages of lies. Let's call it that way, right? So they've been they've been putting together that embodiment of 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 thought and messages as to how they worked in different situations and and, and, and all through. Through the, since the beginning of, of the world as we know it. And so do you think it's getting better as a result of more effective, uh, as a result of, uh, you know, they're, they're trying and, and, and learning and, and everything? I mean, they learn, right? They're not omniscient, right? So they learn, they, they, they figure out what works better. I mean, I can, be a te- I can attest in my own life, you know? I mean, just in my own life, my own natural desires um, w- would... The refinement of, of those things gets 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 closer and closer to the target over over time, doesn't it? Um, in each of our lives, so um, you can see that 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 is a refinement over history about how how to how to interact and with with mankind, and it's also a refinement by person um, over time. But the, the interesting thing is that that spirit spirit beings are 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 um, are, are eternal. And so, therefore, they see mankind live, born, live, die, born, live, die, right? But, but the threads of the messages, as we've looked already back at Eden, are what? The same. It's the same old, same old, just repackaged and brought forward in a different way. And maybe, maybe Mike's uh, 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 area of, of, of challenge might be different than mine, might be different than Rick's, might be different than Gabe's, but but they they learn how uh, each one of us tick and uh, and watch very carefully as to how all that unbundles itself. Yeah. Uh, no demons can't read our thoughts, but they can. They're very observant. Um, so yeah. Um, uh, they're they're able. I mean, the Holy Spirit can read our thoughts, right? right? right, right. But not not the demonic world. No, they can. Um, when we study the nature of temptation next week, next two weeks, uh, we'll be talking about how temptation actually comes into in, into existence. So, um, just to answer your question specifically today, they have the ability to insert thoughts into the mind. Um, yes, they have that, but they can't read thoughts. Yeah. So yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You bet. So, um, just been in a, a study of the person of Christ and then Satan and his background and, and his role on planet Earth and what 
what that's been all about and really how Christ has defeated him and his future judgment, his roles and responsibilities both today and in the future. And then last week we started into looking at um, the truth about demons. And what we looked at last week was we saw the group, their groups, their characteristics, their classification. And this week we're going to look into their activities and our defense um, against them. And last week we saw that um, we began with this issue of half not God said, because this is really their, their message, right? From the very beginning of the garden in Genesis 3.15 was, I can't believe that you think that God said that. <laughs> That's kind of the Mark rendition of the garden, right? It's the first thing that, that happened, right? So that, that's, that's how they would go. It's like, well, politically correct. No, I, you know, I really, you're right, you know. <laughs> no, so it's, no, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. I said there's two groups. There's free and active in this world. Uh, th- this world seems to be the place where they have been confined for this period of time in history. Um, they can go other places uh, upon God's bidding and God's uh, demands, um, but this is the place of their habitation. Why is this place the, Why is this place the place of their habitation? Why did we learn that? Why here? Why not Jupiter and Mars or? Okay. Okay. Why not? Why not Galaxy X Y Z? You know, one of the hundred billion out there. Yeah, this is where human beings are, right? And we said human beings are the ones in the crosshairs. Why are they being in the crosshairs, especially believers in Christ? Because we can't okay. So Dave said that we can get back into heaven, uh, into the presence of God, and they cannot. So that's probably one, one important area. Um, anything else? Made in the image of God. God has bestowed his love upon us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So this whole demonstration of the of the God's unconditional love upon this this creation of his called human beings that have been different than animals have been given a moral choices and the ability to love God back where no other animal no other created being in the universe has this that is why they've 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 marginalized their their uh, Focus and their and the crosshairs of the of, of their strategies to be on human beings. Yeah, good point. Yeah. By the way, excuse me. So the point there is that we can worship, and we worship. We want to worship God as opposed to Satan, which is who they would follow as their, you know, for 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 what they worship. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. So let me just let me just hit it really quickly, and, and and what it means is this, and it's really expressed in Hebrews chapter two, and and it's all about the fact that we are. Uh, God says that um, the scriptures say that that Jesus Christ was made for a little while lower than the angels. So what we know today is that the angelic world is is high, is a higher order than mankind. It's a high, made of a higher order, is a higher order. Fallen beings, spirit beings, are, are of a lower order. But, but holy angels are of a higher order. Okay? So, what's going to happen is, uh, Jesus Christ was made for a little while on earth, physically, but as a son, lower than the angels, and for the express purpose of taking those who were lower than angels, 
to a higher state than angels. And we're going to look at that when we look at holy angels, what their ministry and, and, and roles and responsibilities are today. But, but let me just say, uh, to, the, to the point you brought out, is that there is coming a time in the future that human beings, as we know them, that are redeemed, will be taken to a place of higher order than even the holy angels. And it will be at that point in time that they actually will then serve. They're in the process of learning how to serve today, but in the future, they will actually serve human beings that are redeemed for all eternity. Yeah. So he became for a little while lower to take those who are lower to higher. Yeah. Uh, just from, a, from, from an order, um, a created order. There's order to everything, right? Not, not order in orderly, but order in, stru- in, in structure and uh, authority. Yeah. And the reason why that's so so important, Rick, is because um, not uh, fallen angels can't ever be saved. Can't ever be saved. It, they, ha- they had a free choice, and they made it, and that's it. And what Christ is going to demonstrate through His Son and the redemption that He brings to bear through the blood of Christ, the ability to take those who were lower to a higher place through His grace that He demonstrates. And it's that act of doing that that is on display for all eternity for people to go wow that's what we're, that, that's that's it in all its glory mm-hmm. that's what the lower also yeah learned. exactly so it was something lo- you know like low mm-hmm. and god is able to exactly 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 so it is that action that we remember in the lord's supper it is that action that we will be expressing thanksgiving and wonder about even understanding it for all eternity. And it's that action that literally will take, when it's consummated, it's, when it's fully consummated, um, the order of human beings that are redeemed to a higher place, the closest to him. That's important to be, be able to make sure we anchor that. Okay, bound and confined in prison. We looked at temporary confinement in, in Tartaros or the abyss. Um, we looked at their characteristics. We saw that they are fleshly beings without fleshly bodies. We saw that they're localized and not um, um, omnipresent. We saw that um, they're intelligent but not omniscient. Um, We saw that uh, they're powerful but not omnipotent also. And then we also saw that, uh, as we looked at the classification, that there are governmental rulers. In Ephesians 6, uh, 12, we looked at the fact that there are rulers... There are powers, there are um, world forces, and there are spiritual forces of wickedness. And we said that this really um, forms kind of a, an umbrella of structure. If you were to draw a, 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 an organizational structure, uh, I believe that this is, this is showing us how that fits together um, with Satan at the top. And so there's these um, individuals who are the highest in rank, highest in, in, in rule, um, in in the angelic realm, what we're going to find out is that, you know, maybe that, that that would be akin probably to like archangels, you know, the highest archangel, you know, the highest archangels. Um, powers are those that beneath them would be invested with authority and power, as we know it, dominion, oversight, jurisdiction, and then world forces of darkness are those that have a structural, geographical oversight responsibility on planet Earth. I think. Um, so they are, we looked at one last week, which, 
who, who was we looked at two last week actually one one of which I, I think has a dual role uh, from a holy angel perspective but but from a fallen angel perspective what country did we see Iran and Persia. Persia right we saw that that there is literally um, one of these world forces of darkness over Iran um, was put there by Satan um, and we see it still him still manifesting himself in his his presence today okay uh, and then we saw Daniel the prince of Persia or Iran being assigned by uh, Satan in, in Revelation 12 7 okay any questions as we get started then as to kind of framing this a little bit and what we're talking about okay so let's go on and, and talk about the activity of demons um, activity of demons the first is to inflict disease um, inflict disease and I, I added here and or suffering and it's it, you know I'm, I'm always a I'm always kind of blown away about how what we talk about in here is kind of what we talk about in Sunday morning. You know, so there's some there's some thread there that I don't quite get. You know, I'm just kidding. Um, it, it happens to be the Holy Spirit, right? But um, we didn't do it. Um, so uh, this issue of uh, uh, inflicting disease and or suffering is really an important thing. So uh, turn with me to Luke 13, if you would. Luke 13. And it uh, starts in verse 10 that he was teaching in one of the synagogues. And behold, verse 11, there was a woman who for 18 years had had a sickness caused by a spirit, and she was double, double bent, bent double, and could not straighten up at all. Does anybody have a different uh, translation of that? Bent double or double bent? Bent over? So somehow this woman was like somehow bent in two and could not straighten up um, for 18 years. Um, it says it was a um, sickness. It was, caused, it was caused by sickness, but the sickness was caused by a demon, a spirit. So, um, all, not all sickness is, as we said last week, uh, caused by um, satanic influence um, at all. The scriptures tend to be very, very, very clear when it is and when it's not. So, you know, you can kind of take that to the bank. Um, uh, inclusive of, you know, epilepsy and other, other you know, uh, kinds of disease. Um, the scriptures talk about them being diseases, and then they say, and he was, um, that, that was caused by um, uh, demonic possession of some kind or, or spirit. Um, so, they can inflict disease. Um, in this situation, it was for 18 years. It absolutely crippled them, crippled this person, this woman, and bound her up in uh, in it. Let's look at Second uh, Corinthians 12. Um, this so if the first one was more around disease, the second one here is more around suffering. And when I say suffering, um, I'm I'm going to let's get there first. Second Corinthians 12. When I say suffering, I'm going to say. Um, that it, it, I mean, it, it could be physiological suffering. Um, I believe it, it could be emotional um, in nature. Um, uh, it could be spiritual in nature. It could be lots of different um, manifestations of suffering. So normally our mind goes to physical suffering when we say suffering, doesn't, doesn't it usually? And so it could be um, many, many different manifestations of suffering. And, and let's look at this passage as, as a good, just a good example in Paul's life. Um, would somebody please 
read verses 7 through uh, 10 for me. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. And 2 through 10. Okay, just a couple of learnings out of this I think are important. Um, first of all, um, he says, um, uh, and because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, and for this reason, uh, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me. So, what can you um, observe by that? It was given me by who? A messenger of Satan. Yeah, there was given to me that language would be absolutely language that would be under the sovereignty of God. That God gave it to him. What reason? His, the instrument he used was was Satan, or a messenger of Satan. But it was for the purpose of what? Humility. Um, interesting. Very interesting. In our lives, um, we don't always go there, do we? Think that somehow circumstances and situations of our life are there for... A, a divine purpose, which um, begins with um, first kind of foundational stone, um, teaching us dependence upon Him, which then is the opposite of that is is pride. So we said already, um, pride is that kind of foundation stone that that lifted Satan up to the place where all other sin came from, right? And I would suggest that. For the most part, that's very true in our own lives. When can you remember that you know it was very difficult for you to hear spiritual things? When your hearts thought we knew more than than uh, than God did, you know, and that we weren't seeking to seeking Him more than the things we wanted in our life. And so it's humility usually that um, is that agent that um, transforms pride. In this situation, what had just occurred in Paul's life? What was this greatness of the revelations? Visions of what? Well, in this situation, the specifics, I mean, those are true, but the specific reason why he says surpassing greatness of the revelations was this revelation that he literally was taken up to the third heaven. He was taken up in a vision to the third heaven and actually saw heaven. He actually saw all the things that John in the revelation told us, which John even said, there are some things I was told not to tell you. But Paul had to go through his whole life with having this incredible, unbelievable, an ability probably, if, if given the green light, could have, could have described every single aspect of the third heaven to, a, to, to, to his readers or to whoever he talked to. And yet he was told not to. Can you imagine like, living with a secret that is so unbelievable? So amazing, huh. and and like being told not to say anything about it. I mean, a lot of us as husbands can't even do that with our wives. You know? Like, oh, I just want to tell you. Yeah, um, but no, this is like the highest, um, given the the most revelation of any you know other than John probably of, of any human being on earth, and having to hold that in, and 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 and, and not share that with anybody. That's amazing to me. And, and and the thing that that kept him from doing that and exalting himself up in his own mind was this thorn in the flesh, buffeter of Satan. Uh, so the source certainly was from God, but it, the method that he used was was a demon, a, de- a demonic being, um, who gave him a physical ailment, 
called the thorn in the flesh. Um, we don't have time to go through this, but look at Galatians 4.15 uh, if you want. Uh, and, you know, it, it tends to be that this probably was like malaria of the eye or something like that that would um, cause even his physical appearance to be really horrid, you know, um, really gross, kind of oozing eye or whatever. So can you imagine being the person who's speaking and t- telling everybody of, of God's grace and, and just being this little little guy that, you know, wasn't very good looking or anything and had this eye thing going on all over the place and just oozy eye probably forever and, uh, yeah, give you, uh, give you your eye, pluck out your eye for me. So there's something about that that probably was um, what, what was the issue here. But anyway, it happens. What do you, what do you learn about this is that he says, um, I entreated uh, the Lord three times that it might depart from me. So Paul um, specifically prayed to God, get out from underneath this problem, weighty problem in his mind, and it was something that he felt uh, he wanted to be without, definitely. I mean, so that, those are the natural feelings that we all have when we're in a situation, isn't it? But what did, what did God do? He said, no, I've, I've got this in your life for a reason. Um, what, what's the reason for this being in his life besides teaching him humility? He says, what? Sing him? Okay. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. So, in the middle of what you're, you're in, I, I give you unfailing strength. I give you unfailing strength. My strength will fail you when you lean fully into it in the middle of the situation you're in. Point number one. Point number two, he says, for power is perfected in weakness. Power is perfected in weakness. <clears throat> this is the great paradox of all of our life. Power is perfected in weakness. Let's understand what he's really saying. Because I think this is so powerful for our lives, especially as we're talking about this area. Um, so, when he says power is perfected in weakness, whose power is he talking about here? Yeah, it's not our power. Because he goes on, looking, look down in verse 9, uh, he says, the power of Christ may dwell in me. So he, ex- he re-explains it in a different language in a, couple, in a couple more words later. The purpose of this being perfected in weakness is that the power of Christ would, he says, dwell in me. So, what, is, what does it mean to dwell in me? Any thoughts? Do you have a different translation? Rest, okay. Rest in me. Dwell in me. It's much more. It's much more than that. The word "dwell" means to. Yeah, it's like, like if I had a, a blanket that was all folded up, right? And we're all standing here, and I took the blanket and I shook it out and I threw it over us, and we were all underneath the tent of the blanket. That's what it means. It means that let let Christ's power. Wrap itself completely and completely envelop and dw- spread it out like a tent over me. Um, in my mind, my heart, my whole thoughts, everything about who I am. Let, let, let the power of Christ envelop me completely. Now, isn't that something that I have to actually allow? <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Stay under it. Stay under it, right? I can keep on peeking out from underneath the tent and, and trying to run out from underneath it, right? Um, which Paul tried to do three times, he says. 
I tried to run out from underneath the tent three times, but he told me to stay underneath the tent because it's my tent. <laughs> it's my tent in your life. And, and, and the fact that the power of Christ, Christ dwelling in me has everything to do with um, being made complete. Because he says, my unfailing strength is going to inhabit your soul when you're underneath the tent. That's his point. And so, you go outside there, my grace isn't sufficient for you. But underneath this, it is sufficient for you because that's my call for your life right now. And, and because of that, he says in verse 10, because of this, because of learning this, I think it's a learn, learning he went through because he, three times he said, I don't want this in my life. Can you take it away? He says in the beginning of verse 10, Therefore, I am what? Well content. What does yours say? Take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure, okay. In reproaches. Okay. Distress. I take pleasure. I, I'm well content. Delight in. Delight in. I'm um, well pleased in. Uh, I'm full of joy through. How did, the, how did he get to that place? He learned what we just talked about that I don't want to keep running out from underneath the tent when God says it's here. <coughs> I want to stay underneath. And I want to submit my heart and my soul to the specifics of what's going on. And when I can, quote, thank him in the specifics of what's going on, then his joy spreads out like a tent. And I'm content in the tent of, of God's sovereign hand in my life. And he says, because of that, because of taking great pleasure in, it's almost like taking pleasure in. It's almost like saying, Exactly. <laughs> it like flows into James, right? It's like, oh my goodness, it's so so powerful. For the purpose of perfection. For the purpose of becoming more like Christ. Yeah. And that's what this is too. Look at that. I am strong. Exactly. Is what ha- what God's intention was happened. Exactly. His last statement is total humility. When I am exactly. Out, he says it's all for Christ's through, sake. It only happened through his submission. <laughs> through his submission, right? It's all. It's wow. all. It's all about. For his sake and his sake only. <laughs> you know, and, and so and so yet so so get the picture, right? God says to this demon, go for it. Okay? And and the suffering comes underneath Paul this much, this big, this pictured, right? Paul says, I know God's sovereign and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep myself under the tent. I'm gonna peek out three times. I ask if he get out from no. Okay, this is it. He doesn't say he went on six, seven, eight, nine, ten times anymore. Yes, three only. Then he became content. It is very powerful for our lives. Very powerful. And he says, when after the third time, when I made my will his will, in so many words, right? Then I became strong, strong in the power of Christ. I became strong because I had fully submitted my will to His. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. My life as it is in heaven. That's it. That's the power of Christ dwelling in me richly. The process of doing that on an ongoing basis makes me become complete in Christ because I care more about pleasing Him than I care care about pleasing myself. Get it? Very powerful, very important. But who who got whacked in the middle of this? The demon. The demon gets whacked. 
Because he has the capability to worship God in, underneath the tent, the demon gets whacked, and God gets glorified. And it's a great day. <laughs> you see that? That is a microcosm of what's happening all the time, all over the place, in our lives, all the time. What about that incredible picture do we not remember in the midst of being under the tent? We have to remember those things. It's what God's all about. He's teaching us. And, and yet we go along going, I hate tents, I hate tents, I hate tents. You know, it's like, well, last time I looked, that's where the sovereignty of God is in my life. <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't think it all probably right. could have been... But remember, they didn't have... I mean, if God says this is not going to be curable, it's not, I mean, anything a doctor, even as rudimentary as they had back then in, in ability to treat that, would have, wouldn't have been able to treat it. I mean, it'd be like today. It's like, well, that's not going to get better, you know? you know? And I can't say that this is true for Tim, you know, but if God says it's not going to get better, it's not going to get better. I mean... It's that it's that, it's that like a, appropriate to what's really going on in our lives right now. Yeah. Okay. Thorn in the flesh. They can influence the mind. Uh, Genesis three fifteen. Um, we see that Eve was the one who was deceived. Adam wasn't deceived according to the text. Adam actually made a decision, not in a deceived mode to sin, but Eve was deceived. Eve was the one deceived. And if you want to look at 1 Timothy 2.14, you can. It really talks about that and how um, uh, uh, Eve was the one versus Adam who was deceived. Um, we looked already at uh, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Um, and 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, um, we said that the God of this world is, is, quote, in the process of blinding or deceiving the minds of those who are unbelieving in the world, Right? Remember that? And, and what does that mean? We said that, that, that they're literally taking, you know, the, 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 blind, the, blind, the blinds and they're, you know, they're pulling the shades down on the eyes of those who are, who are non-believers. And only God can kind of go, let up. Until that time, they, they just can't see. They, they won't see who Christ is um, in their life. Um, are they accountable? Yes. Are they accountable still? Yes. Absolutely. Because um, he continues to let it up for each person to kind of say, you know, let me see, let, let me show you who I am in different ways, in different places, of which one is creation, one is conscience, and lots of different areas. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians 11, um, uh, verses uh, 2 through 4. Would somebody read that? 2 Corinthians 11, 2 through 4. Okay. So, first of all, I mean, we see here. We see here that um, when we come to Christ, um, we are betrothed. Or what does betrothed mean? Huh? Engaged. Okay. Engaged for a future wedding ceremony, which, by the way, is going to happen in in the third heaven um, during the tribulation period. But when we when we when we are when we become believers, we are we are um, betrothed to Christ. So we're in this period of time before the wed- actual physical wedding that we've um, we've made a conscientious fundamental commitment to, to him and him only. So what groom would not absolutely passionately desire their wife to be chaste? None would. So, I mean, all, all would want that. Um, and that's what Christ desires of us. 
is to is to be pure. <coughs> be pure. And he says um, that um, he has a jealousy for us. This is an interesting point. He says it's a godly jealousy, which says to me that jealousy can be both bad and good. What makes jealousy by God godly jealousy versus the jealousy we have? Why? Okay. So God has the God has the privilege, the only being in the universe of being having godly jealousy. Why do I say that? It's because jealousy comes from affections, right? Our affections for who God is or our affections for something else. Am I right? Mm-hmm. We have affections. We've been built with affections. We've been built to have affections for something. And so he says, I have a godly jealousy for you as a believer in Christ for me and me only. Well, certainly the illustration of the betrothal is, is enough for us. But he even goes beyond that to say that because I'm the only perfect being in the universe, I actually desire my glory, my pleasure, my infinite holiness, which is the only holiness that exists in the the universe, above all others. And for anybody to desire anything less than that perfection and and that highest of highests, is an affront, first of all, to the greatest of greatest. <laughs> and so, because we make conscientious decisions in our life to want something that isn't that, that doesn't take the highest of highest affections in our life to the greatest of greatest beings in the universe, and somehow we 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 marginalize or water that down in any way, shape, or form, is when we commit spiritual adultery in our life. Does that make sense? It's not funny. It's just like James 4 study is just right there. You know, Same so thing. I, I find it double-minded devotion versus being a double-minded man. Exactly. You know, I mean, we are called adulterers. Exactly. And, um, in, in chapter 4. Yeah. Exactly. That's what, that's what we're studying. <laughs> that's why I chuckle. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So that, when he says you adulteresses and adulterers, I mean, what is he saying? He's talking about that. He's saying, I have a godly jealousy for you and I have a right to do that. Because I'm the only one in the universe where your affections and your aspirations and the goals of your life should be, be, should be, should be focused on. And anything less than that is going to be a problem. It's going to be an idol in your life, right? It's going to be something less than who God is. And so he, he, says, he says, he goes on at the, at the end of this, he says, um, uh, uh, the serpent deceives Eve by his craftiness. In, and, by, and, the, and, the, and the definition of deception is, quote, your minds were led astray. Your minds were led astray. The word deception has to do with planets who wander off into some place in the universe who have no orbiting effectiveness. You know, he's saying, you believers have to understand that you're orbiting around Christ. And every time you start to wander off into the universe is about you wanting your own way. And you haven't put him on the, on the throne. And you're not orbiting your life around him. And he says, that's the definition of being deceived. How did Eve get deceived? She wanted what she wanted when she wanted it, as opposed to wanting what God wants. And he says that when we do that, it happens in our minds. So don't miss the fact that, ten, that temptation or 
the pursuit of something other than God begins in our minds. Back to the question that was brought up forward earlier um, by Rick, which was, you know, where does temptation come from? It comes, it inserts itself into our minds. And that's where that decision process occurs. And he says, when, it, when we allow our, quote, minds to be led astray, to be, like, pulled out of orbit, follow me, by the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. So simplicity has to do with single-mindedness. Okay, Purity has to do with uh, chastity within that single-mindedness. Okay, So purity, so single-mindedness is going this way versus this way to a target, right? So I, I, I literally see this middle of that target as the goal. Single-mindedness means I don't, I'm, not, I'm not shotgun approach. I'm taking an absolute rifle and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hit the very middle of that thing. That's single-mindedness. Okay? Devotion says I don't spray the thing all over the place. Devotion is, is, is fully towards the center that way. Pure. Wholeheartedly, so to speak. Untainted. Good way to say it. Make sense? So he says when that occurs... And I have the devotion to Christ, then, then, then I'm not going to be led astray, so to speak. Any, any comments around that? That makes sense. Okay. So then, earthly wisdom. Turn to uh, James chapter three, verses fourteen through sixteen. Uh, somebody want to read that? James three, fourteen through sixteen. I can say my heart. <laughs> <laughs> in, in my mind, I can. <laughs> I can read it though. Okay. Oh. Amen. So this is a understanding of earthly wisdom. <clears throat> so let's take a look at this. The first word I want to jump that jumps out at me in this whole list. I don't know if it jumped out at you. <clears throat> Demonic. It just it, it flew off the pages to me in my study. It was like, oh my goodness. Why is wisdom from natural wisdom or earthly wisdom, why is one of the key components of it called demonic? I got, um, my Bible's got all different translations. Uh-huh. Right? I like the New Living Translation. I don't know if this will get to it, but it says, and motivated by the devil. There you go. That's it. That's, it. That's exactly it. That's exactly it, because of his kingdom. So, so the <clears throat> the affections of the natural soul, because they're fallen, right, are, are going to be absolutely in alignment with and akin to the, the same kind of demonstrated actions of demonic beings, and therefore of Satan, their father. <clears throat> so, earthly wisdom starts off. He says it's jealousy. Well, why? What makes this jealousy different than God's jealousy? It's because it's something. The, uh, circling around us versus circling around God. That, that's the difference. We want it. Because we want. I want what I want when I want it. Right? It doesn't, it doesn't come from above. Yeah. Which is James 1. Even if it's a good thing. Yeah. Even a good thing. Right. Exactly. Apparent, an apparent good thing. Exactly. Not... Exactly. So jealousy. Selfish ambition. What is that? What's selfish ambition? Thinking highly of yourself. Yeah. Okay. Or... So somehow to take myself to a higher place. Right? As opposed to what we see in Scripture. Where God wants us, which is a low place in my life, it, in my heart, you know, who I am. It's, it's, isn't that the same word picture of what Satan wanted? He says, I will be lifted up, you know. 
same thing. Just it's like just unwrap the pre- present about six thousand, seven thousand years later, right? Same thing. Uh, arrogance, pride, lit, heart lifted up, feeling, thinking. Why do you think Paul says, you know, don't think the same way the world thinks? Well, how does the same way the world thinks? They think of themselves as more highly than they ought to think. Isn't that the scripture? Isn't that the characteristic of of of, of people that are not saved? So characteristic of people sometimes who are saved. <laughs> but that's it. Yeah. Arrogance. Lies. Remember not telling the truth. Not speaking the truth in love. Lies. Earthly. It's of the earth. Not heavenly. Of heaven. Um, natural. As opposed to what? Supernatural. Reverse. Opposite of. Demonic. Stems from their father. The, the, the father of lies. <laughs> Disorder. So wherever, so wherever this kind of thinking processes exist, there is disorder. Well, doesn't that characterize our world? I mean, isn't it just like going crazy? You know, because they they they're trying to apply the the best thinking they can against it, but yet it's not God's thing. So anything less than that's going to be like, told you so, told you so, told you so. You know, it's like. Can't get there from here, you know. Um, strife, you know, that kind of strife. Um, every evil thing that's raised up against the knowledge of who God is. It's just not going to end up in anything of value at all. So that's earthly wisdom. Um, okay, let's, uh, let's take a look at uh, possession. I, you know, I, I, took, uh, I took the word... Uh, um, uh, obsession off of your notes um, for a reason, um, and, and I'll come back to that um, I, after studying this a little bit more. I I kind of broke it into just two things instead of three things. I had obsession, possession, and and uh, temptation, and I I've really kind of landed more just with possession and and, and uh, temptation. Um, <clears throat> you'll see about that. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. <clears throat> So, um, let's take a look at uh, the fact of demonic possession. <clears throat> the fact of demonic possession. So, certainly this existed, um, has existed throughout all time, um, as we know it. Um, it's, we talked about, you know, it, when we looked at the, um, the situation with uh, the, d- the demoniac in, in, the, in the place of the Gadarenes last week. Um, but, uh, th- there was this huge outbreak that occurred on planet Earth in, uh, uh, around the time when Christ came. And I... I think it's going to happen again when the Antichrist is going to come, you know, to be able to kind of have both sides of looking at, like, well, this must be the same thing, you know. So I think that's, I think the world is being prepared today for that um, in in a major way. I'm not going to go through all these accounts. We've looked at most of them before. But again, remember that in all of them, they they are talking about some specifics that we've looked into already, but also they, they're talking about the difference between sickness and demon possession. Sometimes those are blurred from the standpoint of this causes this, but, but they're different. They're, so you know, don't, don't get hung up with that um, in that way. Um, okay, you can look at those yourself. Um, so uh, let's take a look next at um, the nature of uh, demonic possession. The nature of demonic possession. Go back. Okay. Let's take a look at the nature of demonic possession. I want to read for you um, Charles Ryrie's definition of this. Um, I thought it was very good. Uh, let me read it for you. He says, uh, A demon residing in a person 
exerting direct control and influence over that person with certain derangement of mind and or body. Demon possession is to be distinguished from demonic influence or demonic activity in in relationship to a person. The work of the demon in the latter is from the outside. In demon possession, it is from within. By this definition, a Christian cannot be possessed by a demon since he is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. However, a believer can be the target of demonic activity to such an extent that he may give the appearance of demonic uh, or demon possession. Um, so, I think that's a good way of looking at it. Um, the uh, um, I, I would lean fully into the, into the issue of, of a believer cannot be demon possessed, uh, and we'll talk through a, a, a number. I think the greatest reason is what he lays out uh, there, um, as far as the Holy Spirit has indwelt us, uh, never to be gone from that indwelling uh, spirit. Because he says in, in the beginning of Ephesians, what he says that uh, he gave us the Holy Spirit as a down payment for our um, salvation, right? So the only the only time we're going to be free of the Spirit is going to be in our glorified bodies um, that exist. So really important kind of understand there. Um, okay, a couple of things as far as the nature of demonic possession, nature of demonic possession. First of all, what we see is that um, uh, this person will probably... Um, have a change in moral character or spiritual disposition. You may see a lot of swings on emotional too, um, but it's more kind of a moral dispositional change or a um, spirit. Uh, I say spiritual, meaning that you can literally see uh, something happen with this person. Um, it's 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 usually manifests itself in 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 one way, shape, or form as it pertains to moral disposition in one in some shape or form um second is that many times uh uh demonic possession will manifest itself in uh a a demon will manifest itself with a different voice a different voice like literally i mean you, you won't have ever heard this voice from this person before and all of a sudden you know this this voice speaks out of that person um different tone different Sometimes language, uh, different, different um, way of sounding completely. Um, next is it will manifest itself many times that as a different educational level. Like, like they'll they'll be able to um, uh, uh, talk of things that this person from an education perspective wouldn't know, or or wouldn't have any idea of. And, so, and the reason for that is because they. You know they see lots of other situations and areas, so they'll be they know what's going on and they can speak to those things. And many times this is what's happening with a medium, also in divination that kind of thing is uh, speaking of events or, or topics that have existed in the past or they saw nobody else saw, but you know they can speak of those things. Um, next is language. I said already is a uh, is a problem and. Uh, uh, many times they will actually speak in a different language. Um, uh, you know, I don't want to get into you know speaking in tongues and everything, but I mean, the the literally speaking in tongues was something that um, was a part of n- uh, non-believing religions way back before Christ. Um, so, I mean, how did that happen? Um, so, 
language or languages. Uh, next is personality. Um, so the, the personality of the person fundamentally changes, completely changes, um, and is very uh, visible. Many times they manifest themselves uh, in, with superhuman power or strength. You see this a lot in um, the, the combination sometimes of drugs. You know, lots of times our, um, our uh, news will say, you know, this person was on drugs and they, it took, you know, five to ten men to hold them down. Well, come on. I mean, super, that, that's superhuman strength. I mean, one person can only do so much. Yeah, a lot of adrenaline, yeah, maybe two or three. But, I mean, five to ten people? Give me a break, you know. I mean, that's, there's something else going on here um, uh, that's happening there. Superhuman power or strength. Remember what happened there? The, the demoniac um, in the Gadarenes, they, they bound him with, with chains, and, I mean, he, he ripped them all apart. Nobody could, nobody could handle them. Um, and then supernatural knowledge um, or intellect. Um, supernatural knowledge or intellect. Uh, Mark 1, 23 and 24, um, uh, we talked about last time, which was uh, uh, this, this demon and this person basically said to, the, said to Christ, you are the Holy One. You're the, you're the one you know, who, who, who is to come. You're the Christ. Like, he wasn't ready to communicate that yet in his, in his earthly ministry. Yet, you know, this demon knew exactly who he was. Well, that only can only come from, from a spiritual realm, you know. Okay. Uh, just a couple comments on the nature. I mean, phys- fit, uh, personally, um, in, in Africa, I mean, you know, I, I can tell you many stories and stories about people who have had stories that, uh, th- you know, this certainly is, is pretty prevalent um, in your third world countries. Um, uh, early on in the ministries in Africa, um, Tommy Titcomb was one of the key missionaries there, and he tells a story of literally walking into a... Um, a village known for for paganism and 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 uh, and witchcraft and um, wa- literally seeing a woman walking ten feet off the, off the ground across the middle of the of the of the uh, of the village is like wow. pretty wild, <laughs> you know. Um, and certainly, I can remember, um, you know, snake charmers was a good example. Uh, they would literally be able to take, I mean six feet, eight feet spitting cobras and um, you know, take, take their heads and put them in their, like two at a time in their mouth and not be bitten. Um, I, can, I can remember times of uh, uh, other ones where um, he would uh, throw dirt up in the air and look right into it and it wouldn't cause a problem for his eyes and other time of uh, having swords um, Machetes like like a machete, but a sharp sword, um, and he'd literally throw up uh, wheat, uh, like sugarcane kind of thing, and you know, just go like that. He'd probably slice it like three times, you know, while it's coming down, and then taking those and literally cross his neck, drawing it completely as hard as he could, and n- nothing happening whatsoever uh, to his, uh, you know, to having break the skin or anything, um, or putting them behind his eyes and not, not hurting him, and lots of weird things like that. But again, the whole purpose of that was to somehow communicate to those local people, right? And you see this in lots of different places, that, that, uh, that there's power. There's power behind these, these acts, and therefore you want to believe that. 
power. And so it, it really sets up this, this uh, you know, belief in the supernatural that says, I want to know more and, and we'll tell you more. It'll all be lies, but it's, it's going to be, we'll, we'll give you what you're looking for, which is more, in, more knowledge, more information, etc., right? And certainly this is happening in the United States, too. We, it's not as manifested the way, same way. Uh, although I think it, I think it's camouflaged in many, many ways, uh, even in the United States. Somebody was going to say that. I was going to say that, that was my question. It's so prevalent in these places. Yep. Yep. And if you think about the fact of in the places, yep. and yep. Um, if you think of, you know, yep. you have to be aware yep. to go back to do battle with it. And yep. in these, in these times, exactly. The awareness that this is happening, and that's why that yep. activity. Yep. Right? It's so sad. Absolutely. But for just knowledge yep. and the power of prayer to be on <laughs> Amen. Mark, yeah. When you think of these areas where things the demonic activity that way, I mean, I think AT. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Um, do you also believe that that's where you know? I mean, we talk about miracles and all of these things, but on the on the godly spiritual end of yep. it, that it is often you hear stories Absolutely. where oh. there is much more spiritual, godly spiritual Absolutely. activity that we're not. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. It's a it's a balance there. Exactly. Exactly. On the on the counterfeiting or combating, you know, like the like. Yeah. Mark, I know I always struggled with this in a lesson of depression, part of mental illness. Absolutely. And the struggle that none of us can really understand in the battle and in the middle of what the tragedy. Well, that God's presence, but how yeah. us that's left on earth looks yeah. like trying to look yeah. from from Yeah, it was absolutely influenced from, from the pit. It's absolutely influenced from Satan. Um, uh, whether it was demon possession or not, don't know. But, you know, I mean, it's just a hop, skip, and a jump from one to the other from the standpoint of once you're, you know, allowing yourself to be controlled by the thinking, I mean, it's back to the thinking. The thinking processes, they either bring no hope, despair, you know, I could go through all of the things that sin does in life, right? You keep going, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a circle, downward spiral, that somehow, you know, may include, you know, demonic possession, but may not. But even, even without that, we're, very, we're, we're told by the scriptures that, that, that every part of a heart that's completely going in a downward spiral is, is capable of killing. It's capable of murder. It's just, it's going to be there. It's, the, it's why Cain killed Abel. It was, I mean, it, it was just left to their own devices. They'll, that'll be the end game. You know, so that's why I always ask people, well, you know, what's right and wrong? I mean, how, how do you come up with that? You know, it's like, it's, it opens up some opportunities to talk about it because um, had, it, had it not be for God, I mean, who knows? Maybe he would have killed, you know, hundreds. You know, so you, you end up with this, if God removed his power from the earth, It'd be Virginia Tech every day, mm-hmm. you know. It'd be all over the. I mean, it, it just it'd be rampant. And so we we tend to think of how did this happen? My question is, is why, why isn't it just prevalent on planet Earth? You know, because that's the heart of man without Christ. The only thing that holds it back is the the restrainer who exists today on planet Earth. No, I'm thinking. You know, Excuse me. Did, did that answer your question a little bit? We can we can talk about it after. Yeah. You know, I, I hear a little in there jumping around here. It's just packaged it for yeah. me. 
it's packaged more because we're so yeah. educated yeah. and we're so much more safe. Yeah. And but it is packaged Absolutely. with new age and Absolutely. You yeah. through I mean, you see all these movies coming out spiritually, yep. you know, and it's just so normal yep. the seance yep. thing. I mean really, Absolutely. They're they're the ones that are kind of yep. oh it's weird. Believe that they've spoken. I mean they, we have mm-hmm. t- T V shows that have these weird dead yeah. niece and that's my dead niece, you know. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so um, let me just hit a couple things. Our defense against fallen angels. I want to hit on this one, and we may not have time for any other ones, but let's go to 2 Corinthians 10.5. I have three verses that I want to hit on, but I probably only get to one here. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5 um, says, uh, we'll look at 3 through um, 5. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, but for weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but of divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So what's our um, defense here? First of all, um, it's to... And this isn't in your notes. You probably want to just draw a line and write this down below or something. Um, We're in a spiritual war, not a physical war. We're in a spiritual war, not a physical war, is what he says in verse 3. Second thing here is that uh, spiritual weapons are needed for spiritual warfare. Spiritual weapons are needed for spiritual warfare. Um, spiritual weapons are those that think rightly about who God is and what's going on. The third one here is that this war is a battle which is determined in the mind. He says, uh, um, it's every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God uh, uh, in, in our minds. And so that's where this actually um, takes place. Uh, the next one is that it, its common its common threads are that it wants to keep us from knowing God rightly. Common thread across all of the all of these are the speculations and every lofty thing quote raised up against the knowledge of God. So it's all the ideas, it's all the theories, it's all the ideology, it's it's all the things that are out there. Um, you name them: humanism, relativism, all the isms, right? That are literally raised up against keeping us from knowing who God is and knowing Him personally. So all of that is what he says is this is this uh, battle. The battle is for everything but you know against this. Um, the next is that truth in the in the word of God is our ultimate weapon. Truth in the word of God is our ultimate weapon because we have to know who God is, and that's where the word of God comes forward, and it it is what is quote divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. The word fortresses here. Um, may have a different translation in your Bible, but it's, it's prisons. So the, it's prisons of the mind that keep us from thinking about who God is rightly and therefore making good decisions prison. about who He is. Prisons. A prison, like a prison? No, a prison, like with bars. Jail prison. And last but not least uh, here is taking all thoughts captive and subjecting them to Christ is how we fight the fight. Taking all thoughts captive... Um, and subjecting them to Christ is how we fight the fight. Uh, that is that is how the war is won. It's in our mind. It's with the Word of God that's true. And it's taking captive. What does captive mean? It's taking prisoners, all those thoughts that are raised up against who God is, the, the way the world or Satan would want it to be. So every time we take them captive and put them in prison and, and, and don't, don't dwell on them and don't think them through is when we're winning the war. When we allow them to enter our mind and start thinking that, that, that truth is relative or, 
or you know who God is or whatever is different than who he is, mm-hmm. what's it going to do? It's going to affect how we respond to any situation or circumstance of life. And therefore, that is when uh, the, the devil, quote, has a foothold in our life. You know, if we somehow think we can harbor, harbor um, sin or harbor um, uh, bitterness of our heart, let's say, or be afraid or anything, these are all um, ways in which the devil gets a foothold. Anger, you know, in our life. So... Um, so this is our defense against fallen angels. Uh, first verse I want to look at, but it's all in our mind. It's it's a spiritual thing happening, and it all has to do with raising up um, something against who God is and rightly seeing Him for who He is in our life. So because of that, because of time, let me close our time in prayer. Father, Father we thank you for um, your word that um, allows us to know truth. And Father, as we think even about this Virginia Tech situation or all the situations that are happening on a out there, Father, we we uh, understand that, uh, but for God's grace, you know, we we certainly can be in that same situation. And you do work through these things to be able to accomplish your way and your will. But Father, we just um, blown away by um, what what mankind will do without God, and um, how the adversary would love to just you know energize and, and exacerbate that um, planet Earth and. Father, we want to worship you. We want our holy devo- we want to be wholly devoted to you in all ways and all things. And Father, we, we give you our hearts. We, we want you to know that you are the one to want to make decisions day in and day out, moment in, moment out, for you and you only. We understand why you're a jealous God, because you've betrothed us, you've bought us with a price. Father, I pray that we would um, glorify you in our bodies and glorify you in our minds, God and God alone. Amen. Amen.